0: I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill,
1: you stay in Wonderland. I am the club in there.
0: You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to a very special episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. As you might be able to hear from my my voice, I am super excited today. We have teased this moment for for weeks now because that's how excited I've been to get here. It is our 50th review. Yes, 50. We persisted. We made it. We're here. And you know what? We're so happy to be here. And we're going to mark it with a little bit of a, a special review today. We'll get on to that in a minute but before we do i'm gonna get our excitable young friend in here of course he's been here every episode reviewing sharing his life throwing filmic ideas into the world it is of course callum callum hello how you doing
1: good afternoon very well yeah very well um 50 indeed number 50 Fiftieth uh, episode. I think they said fifty years. Then <laughs> fifty um, years.
0: Well, if, if we're persistent enough, we might get there.
1: I mean, in fifty years' time, maybe we won't even have to. We could just like the technology will be so good that we'll be recording on the on Mars or something.
0: We'll just imagine right. it, and it'll it'll be live.
1: Yeah, just we'll just think of it in our head, and it'll automatically record. Just in the, the yeah, the microphone will just pick up our our uh, minds. Um, well, that's
0: one to look forward to.
1: So that sounded like a, a weird sort of uh, sci-fi movie that we're yet to review. Maybe I don't know. Uh, we could just review ourselves, couldn't we?
0: Right. <laughs> that's one episode. That could All the right. reviewing ourselves that could go to some places.
1: Yeah, I mean, we are we are just participants in our own sort of sort of public hubris, I guess. Like right. that's what we are. The Absolutely. public, the public intellectuals. But no, yeah, I'm right. Indeed, I'm very good. I'm very good. Um I'm heading off to uh, the US soon.
0: This is your fun. last episode pre-America.
1: It is. Yeah, it is. Um I'm doing a a road trip around the uh, the deep south. Um
0: highly exciting.
1: It's going to be fun. Yeah, we've got some like cool little museums planned, some galleries, lots of beer, lots of food. Just ex- living in the ninety-degree heat—I think, yeah. I, I think I might melt, to be honest.
0: <laughs> like, You've been plotting this for a while now, haven't you? Because you were—you were attempting uh, to go last year, and this has been pushed back. So the anticipations are even higher.
1: Yeah, it's um, yeah. If if monkeypox doesn't put everything to a grinding halt, as some people keep suggesting, it might. We're not I, doing negative. No, no negativity anymore. No, like diseases don't exist. <laughs> no, but no, of course.
0: But um, um, you might even see some film locations, because you are into some uh, big hitting places, maybe you could find yourself a little a film location tour. Surely, on one of the places you go to, there'll be somewhere where some big films have been shot.
1: Well, I think um, the I'm look. I'm really looking forward to New Orleans and Louisiana because we're getting a bus from. New Orleans to Houston, and that area was where the first series of True Detective was filmed. Um, one of my favourite right. series. Okay. Ma- yeah, yeah, cool. McConaughey, Harrelson, absolute genius. Um, it's a great series. It's good, yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing that kind of swampy landscape. Going to take some photographs, and then obviously tell people that I've taken all these cool photographs because
0: which would of course be shared on the Glass Film Club. Uh, Instagram for everyone to take a look cool. at.
1: Of course, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it is, yeah, 100%. I might take a picture of some cool cinemas that I find. All yeah, right. like it, like you know. it. We'll uh-huh. bring that
0: on. Oh, well, listeners, you can say ready for that. Get over to our Instagram page at the A Film Club, but also a, a little other teaser, of what we've been up to in the last week, and it's a, a project that we've had in the pipeline for a while, and we're actually diving into it now. As part of the A Film Club, you and I, shooting a documentary together. I don't yeah. I don't want to give away the full film right now, but we were, put it this way, in a cinema doing some filming, not just recording reviews. We were doing some filming. We were chatting with other people in the film industry and putting together what I like to say is quite an exciting film, which will be hopefully ready to come out in a few months' time. Did you enjoy yourself, Callum?
1: It was, you know what? The thing that I loved about it the most was the fact that it was, I mean, the listeners all all have heard the sort of cynicism and uh, crippling pragmatism in my voice throughout the episodes. Yeah, but um, I I found it really really refreshing to talk to people about um, their community and their passion and what they believed in. And the biggest thing in the world is apathy, and I'm certainly I'm certainly guilty of that. Um, and it was just really refreshing to have, a some, I guess some positivity there and some passion and talking to people about what they're interested in and community projects was really, really, it was such a lovely thing. And obviously the power that film can do the power of film in not only revitalizing communities, but like helping communities, but then also like just promoting discussion about the love of art. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, it's going to be good. Like, it's yeah. going to be good.
0: It's been fun so far, and I thoroughly enjoyed getting involved with it for all those reasons. And the Glacé Film Club podcast breaking out of the realms of just audio into the world of film that we actually talk about. So what I would say is watch this space on that front. Hopefully we'll have some updates for you in the coming weeks and months. But... Moving on to the now, Caleb, because, as I said at the beginning, it's the 50th episode, 50th review that we've done. And what we've done is save a film that is very special to us. We wanted to mark it by doing a review of a film that we both absolutely adore. It's my favourite film. Callum will give you his insight into it as well. So what I would caveat this whole episode to, like, this is going to be us absolutely pouring our heart and soul into a film that we adore. We review all sorts of films on this podcast, and obviously we chat about them on on the episodes, but in our day-to-day lives, me and Callum are always chatting about different films, and this one has come up for years. We're always referencing back to it and love discussing it. So... Without further ado, Callum, would you like to share with the audience what the film is and give us your wonderful overviews like you normally do?
1: I will, indeed. Um, The film is the 2015 American biographical comedy-drama The Big Short. There we go. Yeah, come on! The Big Short, Um, directed by Adam McKay, uh, based on a book called The Big Short by... Uh, Michael Lewis basically explaining how the financial crash crash of 2007 um, was triggered by the, a housing bubble in the United States and then obviously globally markets were built on very similar things and caused a global meltdown essentially. So that's the premise. Um, uh, it starts off with um, basically a hedge fund manager called Michael Berry. It's all based on real people as well. So all the people that are in the movie are based on... Um, actual people that worked on Wall Street or for various hedge funds around America. Uh, Michael Burry is a hedge fund manager in California and he uh, notices that basically loans on houses are unstable. Um, because he thinks that there is a housing bubble. He thinks that banks have lent people money to buy houses that they can't afford, and then they essentially the American economy is built on money that doesn't exist. And obviously, once those, once people actually start to withdraw that money, it actually have to something physical has to be there. So he identifies that there is this gap. Um, Jared Bennett. So Michael Burry is played by um, Christian Bale. Jared Vennett, who's played by uh, um, Ryan Gosling, is this sort of, I guess I want to describe him as this sort of like dick-swinging executive because that's basically what he is. Um, he works at Deutsche Bank and he's um, he, he gets hold of Michael Berry's, um, I guess, dossier or prospectus that he puts together explaining his thinking behind this housing bubble. And he buys, He he he's interested in it he thinks he's correct so then he jumps on this idea that we should bet against the housing market basically um and then the brownfield capital fund which is another uh group of people that are involved in the uh the sort of the the big story I guess they're also they also pick up the the prospectus that Michael Berry puts together, um, they buy into it, they think it's real, and they start betting against the housing market as well. And basically what ends up, what's the film tracks, is the moments of these investors betting against the housing market, but then the banks manipulating and um, trying to basically make more money out of a fraudulent system. It's incredibly critical of... um, the society, the economic system in which we live, um, it's incredibly critical of the sort of the toxic masculinity that comes with that. Um, it's very critical of this idea that the economy is something that's this um, thing that's owned by a very select. I mean, it is. It's owned by a very select group of um, men who control the world's economy, and it's basically says that once you reduce people to numbers and uh, economic assets they are no longer human beings and it really does challenge the idea of the idea of morality um, when an economic system is concerned Um, it's I think it basically suggests that an economic future for society doesn't exist because we're so locked in an idea of what we think the economy is and what it and what it is, and what it means, and it's a very very good film, but it's also very depressing at the same time. Um, but that's the Big Short. It's about a group of people that identify a gap in the market and bet against the housing market, and they make a lot of money as a result of the housing crash. Um, that's the Big Short.
0: Thank you, Callum. Wonderful as always. Okay, I'm going to go straight in and basically say why I think the big shot resonates with me so much. Because, yes, firstly, it is a very well-made film. It's no nothing in terms of big visuals, but the way it's shot, And the way it's pieced together, I think it's a fantastic piece of filmmaking. A special shout out to how they use the handheld camera locks. It's quite tight. The shots are quite close to the faces of people. It whips around quite a bit. And it's got that feeling of being a bit unstable. And um, it's not smoothly cinematic, which goes with the pace of the film and what they're talking about. But um, also, I think the structure of it, it's kind of set almost in different acts. There's... Clear transitions between each section as they kind of discover in this the market starting to crash, and then the aftermath, which I think is very well done. And those little pieces where they cut to celebrities to explain the more um, intricate and confusing elements of the financial jargon. So, for example, Margot Robbie and a bath. Um, Selena Gomez and Richard Thaler I think he's called um, yeah. in a casino and I'm sure we'll talk about I was gonna say, the much loved Anthony Bourdain the one and only. Uh, in his kitchen chopping up fish um, talking about tranches um, so I mean filmmaking perspective amazing but it's nothing visually too spectacular it's a very very well put together film but I think When we talk about our favorite films, and as I said at the beginning, this is my favorite film, is it's something that resonates with you. I don't think many people, hey, I may be wrong, but pick their favorite film just because they watch it and go, oh, that looks fantastic, but I didn't connect with it at all. You have to have that emotional connection. This is what we bang on about, about film, is the power of it, but... What it gives us is that emotional response, that stimulus of, of further thoughts. And I think this resonates with me for a few reasons. Firstly, it tracks the real-life story of the worldwide economic crash of 2008 that started in the American banking system and absolutely flew across the world to have quite disastrous impacts across the econ- economy and to people's day-to-day lives. So it's something that I think, personally, I've always been interested Um and maybe impacted uh, by and thought about a lot. And the way this kind of explores that in great detail, I think there's understanding that it gives there, but there's definitely an anti-establishment thrust to the whole thing. And I think even though, like you say, Calumet, it it is quite depressing, the end message of it, because ultimately the conclusion is that um, bankers got greedy uh, went too far, there was fraud going on, but in the end the government bailed them out and then the economy's just doing the same thing over and over again. I still feel a bit like it's a kind of call to arms at the end. Like, I do feel motivated after watching it. Not necessarily to go and do anything particular, but you feel like someone is realising it and pointing it out. Like, there is... I think it puts a spark inside me after watching it, thinking, yeah, this is happening, this is how the world runs, and surely there's something that we can kick back against. So I think on a personal level, it really gives me that. But then, for such an all-star cast, when you stand back from it, I think a lot of them play quite different roles than you'd expect. Um, And often when you have so many big name actors, it's just a list of big names that doesn't really come off. But you go in Steve Carell, Christian Bale, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt plays a quite unassuming role in it. He's often that leader, more masculine Role in it where he plays this guy who's like who was a banker retired is living in a bit of kind of almost a a reclusive lifestyle. He's vegan. He goes about growing seeds and he's kind of waiting for the end of the world. Essentially, like he's totally gone against the whole system. Um, But then he goes helps him out, basically trying to make this trade. But it's not a role I necessarily always put Brad Pitt with, but he works so well. And then Steve Carell. Um, I think maybe is even the standout performance in it. I mean, I love Ryan Gosling in it, but he's playing that kind of like jockey, like hyper-masculine role, which, you know, you've seen him play and he can pull it off and he absolutely nails it in this. But I think Steve Carell's role, and it often gets chatted about in in films that Steve Carell stars in as a, as a serious role rather than uh, his comedy stuff, which he's done obviously loads of uh, to great effect over the years. But I think he gets... Hey, I don't know the guy who it's based on, but it feels like he does an unbelievable like character performance. Like, he is deep and he is thoughtful, but he is very angry and um, he's got, you know, he's, he's hectic and he's going around trying to take on the world. I think that maybe that's a bit of a, a quote in it at some point when his wife speaks to him and he just encompasses this guy who's on a mission and there's so much passion in the film, I feel, and it just really... I think I suck that out of the screen and I feel like it's injected into me as I watch the big shot. And I think that is the reason I love it so much beyond it being um, a great bit of storytelling and a great bit of filmmaking and how it's put together and also the subject matter I'm interested in and the great performances. I just think it resonates and gives me something. And as I say, my two rules of a great film are something that, entertains you and engrosses you as you're watching it but something that makes you think and elicits an emotional response afterwards this does both of those to a million and i think that's my initial feelings why the big shot gives me so much what is it for you do you think kind of why why it, it lands and is so powerful a film for you
1: i think um the main reason is because i remember when i first watched it, i went to the cinema to watch it and um I remember when it came out, it was just like a dreary, dark December. Um, Sounded like a Simon Garfunkel lyric. Dreary, dark December. It is. Yeah. So, anyway, I I went to watch it in December when it was really dark, and I was just like, it's a movie that we've had conversations about um, the legitimacy of our economic system. Multiple times, particularly when we are at university, and we continue to do that now when we go to the and po-
0: and in this podcast we, we exactly explore those themes quite a lot.
1: Exactly, like I mean, we've we've been exploring the legitimacy of of our economic system, or at least the legitimacy and the morality of the system that we choose to invest our money, our time, and our faith in. And what this did movie did for me was, I was already very cynical and quite critical of. Um, of, of the society in which we lived anyway. But then I watched this movie and I guess it just kind of strengthened a lot of stuff that I already knew, but then it explained it in a way that I made me understand it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, and because it's such a a, 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 a powerful topic, I mean, it's basically about the crash of a world economy. I mean, it's a pretty strong topic to base a film around. Yeah. Um, and the way it deals with the issues that it that caused the crisis like collateralized debt obligations and um CDOs and like oh god like subprime mortgages synthetic collateralized all, all this weird language that you know people who work in that industry have created themselves to make you think that they're the only ones that can understand this lingua franca. It's like, well, of course they are, because they're the ones that have created it. They've deliberately created a vacuous, almost like sub-language um, to legitimise their existences. And what this movie does is that it completely um, derails that and uh, challenges it in such a on-the-nose way, whether it be Margot Robbie lying in a bath explaining it or Anthony Bourdain Hero of mine talking explaining CDOs with fish stews. I mean that 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 fish stew analogy that he gives is like really really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. And like the the I mean the bit with Selena Gomez and Richard Thaler when they're talking about the hot hand fallacy um, and people betting on betting on betting, and it's the the banks have created a system whereby all their money that they've accumulated isn't their money. It's the people's money, but then they've basically stolen it. They're all thieves basically. And I already knew that anyway. I knew that, but what the money, well, what the film did was that it just made it even more, um, it made the complicated a little less complicated to understand. Um, cause it, it puts it in simple terms, um, it says you know banks got greedy the government bailed them out in the case in the, in with 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 billions and billions of dollars of people's pensions people's savings people the people those banks were were bailed out and um he says the thing that annoys me the most is the fact that in the film that we already know that the system doesn't work and yet we ex- we continue to we continue to invest our, our faith in this system but all we seem to do is blame immigrants, poor people, teachers, nurses for problems that exist in society, and it is very, very, very um, poignant. Particularly given um, the what the cost of living in today's society. You know what I mean? I mean, this movie was made in 2015, but it's incredibly relevant. So there's that aspect. That's just one bit of the movie that that, that I that I identify with, but the second one bit real thing is just, it's fucking great to look at. Like it's just a great movie to watch generally. Like, I mean, you always got the all star cast. I think the, the delivery, the character delivery is really funny as well. Um, I think it captures the sort of um, the toxic masculinity or it, it, it captures the sort of the hubris of male economic power perfectly in this movie um whether it be um ryan gosling talking about margins and being this sort of like jockey like gym head guy um you know breaking the fourth wall talking about his bonuses he's you know he he is the he is the sort of embodiment of of sort of white male economic power in a way um you know, Michael Berry is part of a system. He's disillusioned by it, but he's part of the system. Yeah. Um, Brad Pitt is disillusioned by the system and has left the system but still understands it in a way and is very, very rich as a result of the system. Um, and I think there's with, with Brad Pitt's character in particular, even though he was part of the system, he hates the fact that he was part of the system, I think. Mm-hmm. In a way. I don't know. Like, I just think it's just great to look at all these different personalities being played by these phenomenal actors Um. It's just a great movie to look at. Subject matter and aesthetic. Those are the two big things for me in this movie.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there is so much to dive into on both of those. And I want to pick up on the kind of... The way the film uses symbolism, but also it uses that, as you say, on-the-nose technique of describing stuff. And... Does that through the breaking of the fourth wall? I think that's another thing that I, I should have thrown in mind, really. And it makes it even throws back to probably when I was at primary school age and reading Lemony Snicket books. Oh, nice. And said. I used to love the concepts of metafiction, of the idea of the author talking directly to the reader. And I remember any creative writing piece had to do at school, I'd always uh, include some metafiction in there addressing the. The uh, audience directly because I think I don't know exactly why that is so powerful to me, but I think there's something beautiful about the f- the fictional world reaching out to the real world because ultimately the fictional world is there to to mirror the real world in in a certain way sometimes more subtly than in other times. But I feel like you develop a connection with a fictional world and you pull towards it and metafiction and the breaking of the fourth wall allows you to have a moment where you are you are within that world that's created and I think that is another reason why I'm drawn to this film because it uses that to great effect. But how it uses that to great uh, effect is in different ways. So I think firstly that more obvious way like you said of the um the explanations Anthony Bourdain, Selena Gomez, Margot Robbie put in these elaborate uh, situations where they're there for like, for example, Selena Gomez and Richard Thaler at a blackjack table in Vegas. And it's like, Oh, all, all very filmic. But the idea is that they're trying to explain um, elaborate economic concepts through these uh, more relatable techniques, which is great from the film perspective because it just works so much. These little cameos are fantastic, but it genuinely gives you an understanding of what they're talking about. And if for a subject matter which is complex, and as they reference, it's complex for a reason, because these financial instruments are made to be complex, so then the layman doesn't understand it, and you need um, someone who is a professional to sort it out for you, and therefore there's the disconnect between the economic world and, and the regular world. But this actually does explain these things so by the end you know what a cdo is you know what a synthetic cdo is you know what all these crazy other uh things like the term tranche and stuff like that you understand it through that so therefore what you were saying before callum is that we all kind of know across the world that we were done over by the banking system as in as a world economy but we don't really know how exactly it's just yeah. like the kind of bankers stole a lot of money in a dodgy way, even if it wasn't intended like that, but there was a lot of dodgy stuff going on and the system was crooked. But without really knowing exactly what went on, this gives you an understanding of, here's the intricacies of it in a way that we can actually understand and really breaks that bridge. And I think that's why it makes that real life issue more powerful because it's not so abstract then. It's just like, usually, like, oh, yeah, well, this is what happens and the bank is doing us over. This is the way the world is. But when you see the intricacies of how it happens, you're like, wow, okay, I understand this, and it was just let to happen. That is powerful, and that's a powerful bit of filmmaking. That gets you in the guts, but it also allows you to understand that story and, and has it resonate more. And then also, actually, the physical breaking of the fourth wall with um, uh, Jared uh, Ryan Gosling's character, I just think it's a very effective way of having a narrative and explaining um, what went on as well, a piece of filmmaking. Well, what
1: the film does is that it basically, it's picking up on that point, we all most people know that bankers are corrupt and criminals, and yet there's still a lot of people that would quite like their their life. There's a, there's a great um, like uh, Frank Turner lyric, <laughs> yeah, bring, it in. bring it um, in. He's like, I've got friends who are bankers, and it's an easy rhyme to call them wankers. But I must admit, I'm envious of the way that they live. And it's like he's talking about that, um, that, that sort of the weird sort of like faith that we put in the system because we see the amount of money that can be made by going into that that system. Yeah, and people want that. Um, because our entire society is built on wealth and money and what we can buy and our consumer power and purchase power you know purchase power is political power purchase power is economic power all that sort of all that stuff is wrapped up in this movie and breaking the fourth wall i think actually gives the audience an opportunity to speak to a banker in inverted commas like you know what i mean yeah. it's like he's explaining what he did to you as a human being um, and that's something that no politician or no banker has ever done mm-hmm. about this system. And I know it's being done through a film and Ryan Gosling isn't a banker, but and he's playing a banker. But I think the reason why this film has that power is because it breaks the fourth wall and actually speaks to the people as it were about what actually happened. And yeah, whilst it's like, it's, it's very sort of self aggrandizing the film itself and it's, all the characters are very confident in themselves, but they're playing a, a character, they're playing a person. Um, and it I don't think it treats its audience as idiots either. Like, it puts all this stuff on the table, all these sort of like all this weird lingua franca of like, subprime mortgages, synthetic, blah de blah blah. And it then it but it explains what that is, like, in a way that is funny and engaging and also makes sense. I mean, so you've got that the directness of it, but then you've also got the, the the little snippets of um, uh, art and filmmaking and humor that's been laid over that. Like when they go to Vegas, for example, and it gets me every time. I'm literally in tears when it opens. When they go to Vegas and um, it shows the shot of Vegas, and then an organ is playing. Yeah. It's, like, yeah, it's like it just—it's really funny because they go into the World Economic Forum or something in Las Vegas. Yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck? Like it's Las Vegas, and they go into a World Economic Forum, um, and the organs playing, and then um, you've got when they go to the the, the ratings agency when they uh, when they go and investigate why the for subprime mortgage mortgages have gone up, but the loans have gone down. Which means that the banks are making more money, but how can they? How can one go down and one go up when they're both made out of the same thing? So yeah. then they go to the ratings agency to find out why that is, um, and the woman that they speak to is visually impaired, and I only, I only I only noticed it this like this time around when I watched it in preparation for this. Like she's she's in charge of the ratings agency, basically ticking off all these made up loans that the banks, the made up mortgages that the bank has made. Um, and selling them. And she's like going, yep, yep, yep. And it's like, it's almost as, it, it, it's a quite a powerful metaphor that the person that's signing off these subprime mortgages is visually impaired. Like, and that's, that, that, that it's quite a nice little um, thing that Adam McKay's done there. It's like suggesting, and, and the screenplay of Charles Randolph as well. Like, um, the people that are making these decisions are just so... Um, visually ignorant, or well, not necessarily ignorant, but just they willfully will accept the system just so their life is just because they do. They just you just you just do it. Like, why? You know, you just do it, and it's like he's visually they're visually impaired and can't necessarily understand why they're doing it. I just think it's cool. It's like there's all that sort of like all all the metaphor and the the symbolism that's 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 layered over um quite serious serious things has just made it an even better film even talking about it now makes me love this film even more (laughs) you know what i mean
0: absolutely i didn't think it was possible but i think there's a really good observation that you mentioned there about the woman at the ratings agency being visually impaired like what a piece of symbolism that is and the conversation that they're having is how the ratings agency turn a blind eye essentially to misgivings they may have and just give these triple a ratings to bonds and mortgages that um, shouldn't be that because there's another ratings agency that will do it. And essentially they're just in competition with each other. They're just businesses making money, which is ridiculous because they're meant to hold the banks um, accountable, but yet they're in competition with each other to make money, which is obviously the whole hypocrisy of it all is there. And that piece of symbolism is unbelievable. Bit more symbolism, and we chatted about this a bit earlier, Callum. About masculinity, you mentioned there yeah. toxic masculinity, the hyper masculinity that's on show. There's a lot of demonstrations of that in the film, as you said. Uh, Jarrett, he is this like jock type, proper male executive in the gym. He's out at this, you know, bar having drinks. The way he speaks, as well, swears a lot. Uh, a lot of the guys in it, you know, talk about things that are very uh masculine driven there is the research trip that they go on where they're trying to find out um if there is a bubble and they find all those houses that have um like uh, vacant big houses and they speak to a few mortgage brokers who are absolutely these kind of like frat boys out of uh um, college and they're just like laughing about how much money they make and like go to strip clubs and things like that. And there's you know, there's a lot of masculine tropes there. And then the CDO manager that Mark Baum meets in Vegas and calls him out. Oh, yeah. And he and the line that he says to him, Well, I think you'll you'll find Matt, that society values me a lot more than it, it values you and the representation there, all those elements of the masculinity. One thing you mentioned to me as well with the baseball bat. Is it uh, Vinny who's got that yeah, uh, walking yeah. around with the baseball bat in the uh, in the office? It's all built around this big, hyper-masculine image. And I think what the film is saying there is that, look, this is what economics is built on. It's about you know like I'm better than you I'm bigger than you and that's representative of how big the paycheck is the bigger the paycheck and that's what Wall Street is, is building those paychecks I can one-up you I can one-up you it's that battle of that and then that line where the CDO manager is saying someone like me who absolutely lives that lifestyle of the hyper-masculine making as much money as you can doesn't matter how you get it is valued more by society than Matt Baum who's trying to challenge that and who who believes that there's a better way of doing things. And as you say, he's still part of the system. But in that um, talk that he does when he's against the other investment guy and they've got counter views, he basically makes the point at the beginning saying, a good idea in the financial world was turned into a ridiculous, toxic one that hurts people. He is an economic guy. He believes... In elements of the system and says that these bonds were a good idea, but they were turned into something ridiculous and toxic. And that is then, I think, the, what the hypermasculinity is, is used to say. It's saying, look how these people behave in this very toxic uh, masculine world. But when it comes down to it, society rewards the people who behave that way and doesn't reward the ones who don't and lays it out to the audience to basically go, this is what caused the crash, these type of people, but yet the, our society rewards these people. And that gets me a lot. That really resonates with me, because that's something we've discussed a lot when we look at capitalist themes in in films, anti-establishment themes in films, is what does society re- reward? What does it say it rewards, and what does it actually reward? Wealth is the reward, and the people who accrue that wealth, for people who get it in ways often that are not above board, and are to the detriment of others, and I, that symbolism all the way throughout, I think is so so powerful.
1: Well, what it does, it basically is how it argues that you can't separate the patriarchy from money. They're yeah. into they're intimately linked, aren't they? And that's what you just said. It's like this idea that um, the patriarchy, or at least the sort of the investment in the art in 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 male power is the thing that's caused um, economic catastrophe. Mm -hmm. Um, We we were having a very similar conversation about this yesterday, weren't we? Obviously around a few beers, like um, talking about, uh, you know, the hubris of male power um, and that what this film does, it basically just completely lays it on the table and says, this is what the system is. And it there's no redeeming features about many of these characters. Um yeah. even Mark Baum when he um when he, he he profits. He has that sort of like ending sort of like almost that, that sort of like monologue at the end, doesn't he? When he's talking about um or we when he's like, We have to go, we have to go. Now we now we get to kick the big banks in the teeth. Like they're they're looking at it from like a moral perspective because they're just a hedge fund of um I can't remember the name of the big banks that they work JP for. Morgan. JP Morgan. Like, yeah. um, they're just a, a subsidiary of JP Morgan. Um, and they've been betting against almost themselves, the very bank that they work for. But they yeah. see themselves as like detached from the system um, when actually they're very much part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Their goal is to make money. They're making money out of the corruption of the system. And I think that's yeah. where they get out of it, isn't it? But it's like, You know, but, like, Vinny still owns a... He still works in Manhattan. Mark Baum still works in Manhattan, I think. Um, A couple of them went out to start families in the Midwest somewhere. Um, But, like, they all still work in Manhattan. Yeah. But as Brad
0: Pitt's character says when they're in Vegas and um, Charlie and uh, his investment partner are celebrating because they've just made these massive deals. And he's like, stop the dancing, stop the dancing, like Do you realize what you've just done? Like if yeah. if you if this trade comes off, you're like you're betting against the American economy. People will uh, lose their houses, people will lose jobs, people will die, like people lose shoot, their pensions, like, their savings. The pen- yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what you're betting against. So like you say, is there is the moralistic um element to it, absolutely, but then there's that kind of realisation that this is all still within that, that system is still the oh, we will take a lot of wealth, but in a different name, you know for a different reason, yeah, trying just is, to try a and... there.
1: well, they're trying to justify their um their participation or at least their complicity within the system, and I think um, some of
0: the characters are more on the moralist moral line than others, so for example, no definitely, I'd say mark Baum is the one who is the furthest on that kind of. Uh, mission to right the wrongs, and ha- that's his thrust. Whereas the other end is Jarrett, and he's there just to make money. He says at the end, I'm not the hero in this story, he's just there, made he's got his $47 million bonus check. Yeah, but that takes me on to the characters actually. Because I just want to talk a bit before we finish about the characters because there are a lot of strong. Performances in there but it bounces quite equally between the characters it's not necessarily just one lead throughout and christian bale's performance and the character of michael Burry's is like that's brilliant i mean christian bale's played a lot of characters that are very intense yeah, and yeah. um let's say kind of you know off the norm like he's got a lot of quirks and it talks about how he was an outsider as a child he's got a glass eye um, like suggested that he's he's artistic he doesn't understand Stand kind of day to day conversation on it when he says about how he gets asked if he's being sarcastic he's like I don't know how to be sarcastic I just know how to read numbers <laughs> um, yeah and you kind of you you connect with him in a way but still gives you that question of like oh wh- why is he in this world what's his drive to be in the financial world but that performance is strong because it it, it hits into the the outsider taking down the establishment in this one kind of sucker punch but still that depressing end to the film where it's like well actually the government's going to bail everyone out and this is, the government has to bail everyone out because this is the whole system you can strike a punch but it'll just it'll reform in a different guise but i just want to kind of draw attention to his character because i think that's a really strong performance and a lot of tension is built up within that office that he stays in for a few days playing he's got his drumsticks playing music really loudly intensely reading he's um he's like, brushing his teeth spitting it into the bin like it's it's quite a funny comical watch but something very serious is being uh taken place and there's that scene where his mentor and the guy who funded the hedge fund comes in like suited up with um well i think he's a lawyer with him and And then Michael very just sat there in his shorts and a t-shirt. And it's that outsider against the establishment very visually demonstrated there. And showing how the establishment will only use... Be friendly and close to the outsider when it it benefits um, themselves. And as soon as something is going in a different direction, then it's not friendly anymore. And I love the scenes that take place in there. Equally, it's a similar... Setting and tension you get within Mark Baum's uh, hedge fund and the three other staff members that are in there because they're at these desks, and this is where the camera shots are used really well. Of like, it's quite tight, it feels claustrophobic, it's meant to feel like there's pressure building, it's meant to feel a little bit rugged and thing going on. But just the idea of like within this small office, so many hundreds of millions are going on, and it is. I think it encapsulates almost the day-to-day realness and ordinariness of what's going on, but something that controls the world. And again, with a similar scene where Mark goes to J.P. Morgan and... Um, oh, is it J.P.? It was Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley, that's it, isn't it? Morgan Stanley um, goes to them and his contact there, she's basically still trying to say everything's all right when people are crying in the hallway. It's this idea that this is essentially what runs and controls the world but it's just fragile people in a room just making decisions and putting numbers into screens and just that one final scene I'll mention where the two young guys who run the investment firms together sneak into Lehman Brothers as it's shutting down and one of them says that. Oh, I, I didn't expect to see this. And his friend goes, "Why? Well, what did you expect?" He's like, "Oh, I expect to see grown ups." And yeah. it is that. It's yeah. like the fall from everything to nothing. Like you said, "Hubris is is the word to use." But then, this is what impacts lives. This is the day to day in that clash. So I'm going to mention another scene now. I'm just, I'm on, I'm on <laughs> one. I'm on one of uh, Brad Pitt's character doing the trade when he's in a pub in England, and he's um. And the guy at the bar goes like, "Oh, you best not be a banker, like you know, like slagging off bankers, basically." And there's that clash of the real world there in this day, day-to-day pub, and what's going on in these Manhattan offices, I and mean, it's carnage what's going on in there. But yet, that impacts the whole world. Even this guy sat at a bar in England knows um, like the impact, the far-reaching impacts of what these guys are up to. But actually, it's just people in an office not really not going, knowing what's going on. And those scenes are just, I think, just so powerful to bring it all together. And I just wanted to mention all of those because there's not necessarily that one lead. There's a lot of big characters that blend the narratives together to give this end message and this powerful narrative of everything that we've been talking about and and share those themes. And I think as much as the themes and the writing of the the film are fantastic to do this, I think the way those uh, multifaceted and... And a diverse mix of characters, rather than one lead, are kind of uh, put together. It's what one of the great successes of the Big shot.
1: No, I agree completely. I mean, even that scene when the but that's just it. Isn't it? It's like the it's mad to think that our entire economic system is run by that that hubris of male power. I mean the thing that one thing that i found quite interesting about all the characters is that they're all incredibly well educated they all went to big ivy league universities and i think that's a, a, sort of a, another sort of subtle critique that's creeping in there because when they when, when the characters are introduced um they're introduced in terms of where they went to school and what they do mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. they believe in and it's like they all went to brown or you know, or in places like, oh, like you know, Michael Berry's a you know doctor, Michael Berry, and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, it's almost as if there's a a connection between um, elite universities or elite education and political and economic power. Um, you know, it's it's basically saying that these group of people are a almost like there's a there's an economic elite, or no, sorry, an educational elite, or an educational kind of. Um, class as it were um it's like it's that it's the billy Bragg lyric isn't it it's uh, you know this the stock exchange and the old school tie you know the, the secret handshake it's it's, yeah. it's all that yeah. locked together isn't it um yeah. you by the by the virtue you can get a job um a big investment company or a big bank by virtue of going to the same school as someone who's interviewing you it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's absolutely um disgustingly corrupt um but again, that's why I like the movie. Um, it's it, it's so in your face in terms of what it's saying. Um, yeah, I mean, even to this final point before we finish. But even the even the point when he's when he's talking about the his inflamed testicle. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like. Even in the office, even his medical problems are associated with his male reproductive system. Yeah. it's just yeah. it's just like a really again and the
0: size of the it. the
1: size <laughs> of it exactly. it's just like oh my my balls are inflamed. my balls yeah. are bigger than yours. I just happen to work in one of the most successful banks in the whole world as well yeah. Yeah, whilst yeah. I'm talking about the size of my bollocks, it's yeah, just like it's, it's another uh, funny critique of that of that system.
0: Yeah, amazing, amazing, so let's round off, let's round off, and I could absolutely talk longer than the length of the film on this, but I think now's a good time to round off, summarise what we've said and give our mark out of 10, but I'm sure there'll be no surprises on that front. The Big Short, as I said right at the beginning, this is my favourite film of all time for so many reasons. I think it's an unbelievable piece of filmmaking from the filmmaking techniques, the storytelling techniques it uses, breaking the fourth wall. um, is just something that's personally uh, (laughs) enjoyed by me, but I think in this situation, it works so well to describe something that is quite complicated, put it in um, understandable terms and therefore allow you to really enjoy and, and feel the impacts of the story. I love the fact that there's, so many kind of different lead characters in and it throws between them and all their stories interweave. I think that's done really well. It's tightly edited. There's no fluff. There's a lot of impact in the film. All the stories work to make this point and carry you with it. I think that subject matter resonates so much with me because it's something I feel passionately about. And like you say, we often do pick similar themes out of the films we review, that kind of anti-establishment push and exploring economics and capitalism and this absolutely is that that's exactly what the film is about it's about the 2008 financial crash i mean informative it's not even something i put on my list as a film needs to be but i learn a lot from it it took me onto to other uh, watchings and readings and thinkings and conversation it's, it's such a platform for conversation and as we've said all along, this is what we look to do on this podcast find a film and use it as a platform to discuss the themes that are out there. It's not just about what you are watching. It's about what the film gives you to run with. And this film gives you so much to run with. You can spring off that platform into so many places, as we have done today, as we have in the past, and as we absolutely will do in the future. And this is what I love so much about The Big Shot. Some great lines in there and great scenes. I mentioned a few of the quotes and um, the characters, but I'm, I just love Ryan Gosling's performance Yes, he's this hyper-masculine jock character, but some fantastic lines, quotes in there, as there are with many others, and it just hits me. It resonates, and I feel a fire after watching it, both because of the subject matter, but because, you know, you've just watched something spectacular, it makes me want to go and create something which is so artistically amazing as that. The Big Shot, 10 out of 10, comfortably <laughs> 10 out of 10. What a film. Amazing! I'm so glad we've got to share our passions for it with you in our fiftieth review. Callum, take it from there, please.
1: Um, I'm gonna finish by just saying that um, it is exactly that. It's I said from the what I said at the very beginning: aesthetic and subject matter. That's the that that's why this film is great. Um, you know, it's it's a conversation starter. It's certainly for me in particular it certainly made me go off and read more about the system in which we live and that's why film i think is powerful because it makes you think about things that you might not necessarily have thought about or it sort of reaffirms things you already knew but just in a different way um but it is it is a conversation starter and that's the real power of this movie it's great to look at it's great to talk about um I'm not going to sort of laden the listener's ears with anything more than that, really. Aesthetic and subject matter, 10 out of 10. It is what it is. That is the big short.
0: Thank you very much, Callum, as always. And I just want to say thank you for engaging in so many reviews with me over the last few years. It's been an absolute joy, and to reach 50 has been unbelievable. I think we've had some fantastic conversations, and it's allowed us, I think, a strand to our friendship and also our... Um, exploration of films which might not have been there as regularly. We've been able to review all these films on a regular basis, have conversations that we know uh, we love having, but explore them even deeper. It's
1: sentimental sensima- on me, Marcus. Oh. Well, I absolutely am, <laughs>
0: and I think long may this continue. There's a lot of exciting future ahead for the Glass A Film Club. As we teased before, we're heading into the world of film ourselves. Where we've got plenty more interviews, and of course, our core offering. Of reviews ahead of us. There's the 50th. That was the big shot. Thank you for humouring us in this longer episode than usual as we poured our heart out and passion into a film that we absolutely adore. I hope you love the big shot as much. If not keep watching because there's it warrants and it and it absolutely rewards you for giving it rewatches as Callum just pointed out for stuff that he even saw just from watching it again recently there's so much in there and a lot of depth but of course we'll continue to review a wide range of films over the coming months thank you for listening Keep checking out different films. Drop us a review if you like. Please subscribe. We appreciate it all as we're trying to get these reviews out there to more people. But until next time, have a great time watching films. And that was another episode of the Glace Film Club podcast. See you later.